the name of this message is God's Love Revealed. And um, our text is uh, from 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 12. Now, I don't expect most of you know where Katy, Texas is. It's, it's near Houston. This, uh, this guy, Dennis, as, as a result of poor planning, uh, he needed some uh, same-day dry cleaning done before he, before he left on a trip. And he remembered this, this one sign that he had driven by on the other side of town. It said, uh, one-hour dry cleaners. And so he went out of his way. He, he needed his, his clothes in a very short amount of time, so he dropped off his suit, or he went there. After filling out a tag, he told the clerk, I need this in an hour. And the clerk said, I can't get this back to you till next Thursday. He said, well, I, I thought you did dry cleaning in an hour. And he goes, no. Or she said, no, uh, that's just the name of the store. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the point is, uh, those of us who, who carry the name Christian but fail to act like the, the, the one whose name we bear uh, create confusion and disillusionment for those who have yet to believe, Remember Jesus said in, in John 13, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And uh, in the early church, uh, Tertullian tells us that the, uh, the, the pagans were struck by the witness of Christian love. He writes, it is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See how they love one another, they say, for they themselves are animated by mutual hatred. How they are even ready to die for one another. So, oh, how, how they love one another. That's, that's what we want people to see. You know, we're, we're to be known for our love. And, and we'll see from our text that, that uh, our love is from God. So the title is God's Love Revealed. And this passage shows us how God's love is revealed in God's nature, is revealed in the, the Son, and is revealed in God's purpose, or people, excuse me, his people. And uh, you know, one thing that John does in this letter, and we, have, we haven't reached the end yet, but um, he, he tells us why he wrote this letter. And he, he did the same thing with his gospel, the gospel of John. In uh, the, the Gospel of John, he, he gives his uh, reason as, as evangelical, evangelistic. You know, in chapter 20, verse 31, he says, uh, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, in, in this letter, though, he's writing towards uh, Christians, people who've already come to the Lord and in chapter 5, verse 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And so this, this book is written for those who have believed. It's a, it's a book of assurance. And uh, as, as you may recall in, in chapter 3, John gives, has given us some tests to help evaluate our, our Christian life, our, our walk with the Lord. And when we need assurance about our relationship of God, we, we should look at these things. You know, these are the things that, that John gives us as evidence of our, our right standing with Christ. And first he tells us that we, 
We must be obedient to Christ's commandments. You know, are, are we truly obedient in that we uh, have surrendered our, our will to his? You know, second, he told us that we're to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, God's son. You know, the one who came uh, not, not only to be with us, but to die for us, to, to bear our sin on, on the cross for, for our salvation. And third, uh, we're to love one another. You know, so obedience, belief, and, and love, these, these are the three indicators that John repeatedly hits on in this, in this letter. These indicators that, that God gives us to uh, assure us that we're in, in right standing. Um, yeah, I think of that, uh, that one hymn which says, when, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who, who made an end to all my sin. And when, when we need assurance of our relationship with God, we, we should look at these things. Well, this passage, of course, is, is about love. It's, it's really the, the third major treatment that John gives us in this letter. You know, we've covered two already in, in chapter 2, verses 7 through 11, and then chapter 3, 11, 18 through 19, and then today's text. So today's text, John 4, 7 through 12, where the conversation centers on love. So read with me in your Bibles, First John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know, or who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we all we ought love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, um, we rejoice and we... Uh, take comfort in, in the love that, that you've shown us, the, the love you've revealed to us uh, by, your, by your very nature, by the love that was shown by, by Jesus on, on the cross. Help us, Lord, to uh, also be those who, who reveal your love to, to others. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this, these are the three things, uh, you know, the, the, the revelation of God's love uh, centers on, on God himself, his, his nature. He's, he's the origin of love. And then uh, the inspiration of love, the results of love and, and God's commandment to love. Um, love originates with God. It's manifested in the son and is demonstrated in his people. So first, love originates with God. Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Yeah, love is from God. Billy Graham says this, when, when we preach atonement 
It is atonement planned by love, provided, provided by love, given by love, finished by love, necessitated because of love. When we preach the resurrection of Christ, we're preaching the miracle of love. When we, repre- when we preach the return of Christ, we're preaching the fulfillment of love. Yeah. So the command to love one another in verse 7 is, is based on who God is. His very nature is, is love. We, we see in this verse that God is love. Love, love is from God. It, it originates from him. There was this guy in our church in Dallas. Uh, his name was James. And he was a, a very intense and, and harsh kind of individual. Uh, and he had a really hard time with this statement that God is love. He, in fact, would would mock Christians who would say this, that God is love. He he even loaned me this, this horrible book in which the author proved that God was not all loving. Horrible book. He, he saw God as the kind of person his dad was. An abusive, angry, vengeful kind of person. So he saw God as this vengeful, this vengeful, vindictive, wrathful God who's already always ready to, to smack us down on the slightest provocation. And he said, looking at his hands, you know, I see, I see judgment, and I see love. This is God. And. Um, You know, he, he, he would point out that uh, you know, there's a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 12.25, which said, our God is a consuming fire. And he was unable to reconcile these two verses. God is, God is a consuming fire and, and God is love. What are some other verses that say God is something? You know, John, in John, we, we have God is spirit. God is not mocked. God is light. And so we need to take the whole counsel of of God's word and reconcile these things that God's word says that God is. You know what? We need God's light so that we recognize our sin. God is a consuming fire. He's holy. God is a God who judges sin. He's in control. He's he's spirit. He's he is love, and all these together. You know, his love is uh, to take care of our sin. In James, we have a verse that says that uh, mercy triumphs over judgment. God is love. Love originates in God. And that's the basis for, for our love. That's what John is saying. When we receive the Holy Spirit by new birth, we become God's children. And the Bible says that we're to be like him. To be like him. Paul, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, as, as beloved children, imitate God. You know, we're, to, we're to share this, this attribute that God has 
and is. This, this attribute of love, this is what theologians call communicable attributes. You know, there's some attributes of God that he doesn't share with us. We're not all knowing. We're not all powerful. But what are some attributes of God that he does share with us? Love. Mercy. Attributes, things that God wants in us, wants to see in us. Peter talks about this in, in uh, 2 Peter 1, through, one 3 through 4. Talking about God, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Do you see what Peter is saying here? We're, we're partakers, partakers of the divine nature and so John points out this, this love, this communicable attribute of God. Since God is love, we are to love one another. You know, this is, this is part of what it means to be made in the, uh, the image of God. You know, after, after the fall, people are still created in the image of God, but that, that image is marred. It's imperfect. Um, I've had discussions with people about how even, even the unsaved can love. And they can. Right? Look at, look at a mother with, with a child. You know, this is, this is part of what's called common grace. But still it's marred. It's, it's imperfect. The kind of love that John is talking about here is, is agape love. It's, it's a, a, an all-giving kind of love. It's God's desire that those who are in his family live in accordance with, with his nature in this respect, according to his standards of love. A genuine brotherly love demonstrates that we know the God of love. You know, John says here, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. You know, love is the, the mark of, of a believer. Love dem- or lack of love, on the other hand, demonstrates that we lack an intimate knowledge of God, the God of love. Because in the next verse, John says, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And I, I remember I mentioned in a previous sermon, maybe a couple times I've mentioned this, that, that John's very black and white. Uh, you know, he, he lays it out very succinctly here. You know, if we if we do not have genuine brotherly love, we don't know God. Our love or lack of love is is an indicator of our our spiritual heritage. You know, remember in in chapter three, John said this. It said, "By this is it, it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother." So I think we all need to do some serious soul searching here.
wonder why this is cracking it. Am I uh, losing battery power, perhaps? Yeah, let me do that. So the, the basis of our love is God's love. For love is, is manifested in, in the Son, verses 9 and 10. You know, the, the great thing about God's love for us is that it, it isn't just an abstract concept. It's not something that we just can think about and you know, not, not really have any kind of concrete picture to, to look at. You know, God has demonstrated his love to us in a very tangible way. He doesn't just say he loves us, but, he, but he's shown his love to humanity through uh, Jesus Christ. And so John continues in chapter, er, verse 9, he says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us. It was displayed among us that God would send his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And we see a couple things here. A couple things. He was... He was sent. You know, this is, remember John is, is uh, opposing the, the Gnostic heresy. You know, this points to the eternality of, of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is co-eternal with the Father. Remember, John starts out his gospel. Gospel of John, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was sent John three sixteen and seventeen talk about this sentness also, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we also see that, that Jesus is the, the source of life. You know, it's it's through him and only through him that uh, we can have eternal life. It's, it's through him and only through him that we can have abundant life. And we also see that Jesus is the source of, of forgiveness. You know, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love, this this true and, and genuine love. You know, the, the, the world's concept of love does not begin to measure up with the love that God has given to us. You know, this is love. This is love that God loved us. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. Not that we loved him and, and he reciprocated. No, he, he took the initiative. He loved us. I've always loved that passage in, in Deuteronomy where God is talking about why he, he chose the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. He says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the people who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you are the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the land of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He chose them because he loved them. 
He chose us because he loved us. You know, while, while we were still dead in our sins, while we were still rebels with our backs to him, while we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. He saved us. You know, not because we were good, not because we cleaned ourselves up, not because we're attractive or, or anything else. It's because he loved us. Not because of our righteousness, because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. You know, so it's, it's no wonder we can sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now it says that Jesus was sent to be the uh, propitiation for our sins. This is a word that we don't normally use in our everyday conversations, propitiation. It has to do with um, something turning away the wrath of God. You know, uh, uh, some translations use the, etern, use the term atoning sacrifice. You know, it's talking about Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. He, he died in our place to take the penalty of sin. And, and you know, in the Old Testament, we have this, this picture of the, the sin offering. You know, the, the idea that something dies on someone's behalf. You know, some, something or someone dies that someone might live. In a, uh, in a, sermon, in a sermon on the atonement, uh, a preacher, Will Anderson, uses the following illustration. He said, food demonstrates how everyone benefits from a form of atonement, whether they acknowledge it or not. Everything we eat, whether plant or animal, was once alive. It had to be plucked from the tree, pulled from the earth, or slaughtered in order to sustain you. Every meal is a testament to the fact that other things must die if, if we are to live. Most people who regularly enjoy a, a juicy burger or steak have never looked into the eyes of the animal that gave its life for their sustenance. The realities of the slaughterhouse are unseen and unthought of by most, com- or by most consumers. We reap the benefits without considering the cost. It's hypocritical to caricature the cross as needlessly cruel while benefiting from atonement at the dinner table every day. Some may object. It's one thing to kill an animal, but entirely another entirely for God to sacrifice his son. Yes, it's true the cross is horrific. And yet Christ willingly embraced it, which should fill us with trembling and humility. You know, something, something stirs our souls when we watch someone willingly die for another. It moves and breaks us simultaneously. Why? It's because our souls were formed by a creator who sacrificed himself for us. We may deny atonement with our heads, but our hearts can't be fooled. You know, Jesus said this. He said, you know, greater love has no man that he should lay down his life for, for his friends. Well, this brings us to where the rubber meets the road. You know, just as God's love was shown in practice as his people we need to experience practical love. We need to love one another because that's the love that was shown in Jesus. Love is demonstrated by God's people. So Jesus, again, he, 
You know, it's, it's not that he just came to live among us. Although that's a great thing. You know, Peter talks about that, Christ coming, taking on the form of a servant. We have a great example in, in our Lord Jesus. But more so, he was killed on the cross for our sins. He, he bore the judgment of God on our behalf. He died in our place. He took the curse of, of sin upon himself. And so the question for, for each of us, and we should always be asking this when, when we hear a sermon or when we read the Bible, you know, how does this apply? How, how should we then live based on this? You know, since God loved us and sent Jesus to, uh, to die on our behalf so that we might have eternal life, what's our response? What's, what's our respons- responsibility? What's our obligation? You know, John gets into it right here, puts it in terms of our relationships, how we should love each other. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So we're, we're the most loved people in the world, the most forgiven people in the world. We should be the most loving and the most forgiving people in the world as well. Jesus illustrates this in the uh, parable of the uh, uh, unmerciful sinner. Uh, remember the the disciples, it's Peter, right, who, who asked Jesus, you know, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven. And he's thinking, well, that's a big number, you know. That's we I, probably most of us would be pretty doing pretty well to do that seven times. But Jesus said, oh no, no, seventy times seven. So, you know, John writes, if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And notice he, he doesn't say seven times or he doesn't say 70 times seven. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. So maybe maybe we need a, a shift in our, our attitudes towards each other. The writer of Hebrews um, says something that's that's very good that we need to hear. Hebrews ten twenty four. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Do we do that? Do we stir one another up? good works and for love. Well, in the last verse, verse 12, John says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Um, kind of curious that he just interjects this thought that no one has seen God. He's talking about God's love. His love has been seen. He says, no one's seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is, is perfected in us. You know, there's a, there's a deep experience of God for those believers who, who truly love one another. In, in 2 5, chapter 2, verse 5, 
John talks about whoever keeps his word in, in him is the love of God truly perfected. Here we have, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You know, again, the word is agape, you know, a love that, that gives. What does is, what is perfect agape love look like? Jesus said in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. That's the key. As, as he has loved us, that's how we're to love one another. By this all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. We need to love as Christ loved us. The, this is the perfect love that God wants us to have and display. Um, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 13, that, that famous passage on love, he says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. That'd be a good couple verses to take home and, and chew on this, this week. You know, the thing is, this God who no one has seen, this, this invisible God is seen in a loving Christian community. So in, in, in closing, God is love. His love was, was manifested in Jesus. No greater love. We're we're recipients of this this amazing love. You know what what great love He has given us that we should be called His children. No greater love has any man that he would lay down his life for a friend, and that's that's exactly what he did. God's love given to us. Manifested, made made real, made demonstrable through through Jesus, who died that, that we might live. Uh, so let's ask the question: do, do people see the love of Jesus in us? You know, there's there's a song from the '60s, and we still sing it from time to time. We we just sang it a couple Tuesday nights ago that they will know we are Christians by our love. Is that true of us? Does the world know that we're Christians by our love? Let's pray. Uh, Father, as, as we consider the extent of your love, um, Lord, we're, we're overwhelmed. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you fill us with your spirit. Lord, lead us to, to love one another as, as you loved us. And as, as we remember your love for us on the cross this morning, as we uh, celebrate uh, communion, uh, as we remember, Lord, the, the perfect sacrifice that you made on our behalf, Lord, let that sink in.
no greater love. Lord, we, uh, we worship you. Lord, you are, you are worthy of, of our praise and our, our adoration. Uh, Lord, we, we are yours and we need you. Every, every hour we need you. Every moment, Lord, we, we need you. And we pray in the name of uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.